everybody to another edition of the Replacement Level Podcast. So we are going to bring you some interesting content tonight. Uh, We're going to be doing the top 15 shortstops in Major League Baseball. It'll obviously be our own rankings of who we believe are the top 15 players in the game. Unfortunately, tonight, Rafal is not going to be able to join us, uh, but we do have a special guest Filling in for him, that is one Josh Mason. I know Josh actually through one of our former special guests, Joe Swinson. Uh, So Joe Swinson, Josh Mason, and myself are all a part of uh, Mr. Swinson's Fantasy Football League. He runs a uh, football, baseball, and basketball leagues, excuse me, all titled Bruce Sports, uh, Fantasy Sports, basically. And so I've been in that league now for for a full year, actually. I joined last season during the basketball season, and I've completed basketball season, the football season, the baseball season, and now coming back again for this current basketball season. And uh, so Josh and I have been, have known each other for, for a year now. And I know that Josh, I believe is actually um, the only other person that lives in Maine with uh, Joe Swinson. So they are friends up there in the great state of Maine. And that's how I know him. But at this point, I will turn it over to Josh and let him tell everybody a little bit about himself. Hello, everyone. Um, Hey, I'm Josh. Um, I have been doing fantasy sports with Joe Swenson for a long, long time now. Um, At least 15 years now with Joe. Um, Started with uh, baseball, went on to football, then we added basketball. We even did a year of hockey, but that one didn't last. Although I you have a new hockey league, and it's a ton of fun. And oddly enough, Swenson's in it. So, excellent. I, I will say I did a uh, fantasy hockey league one time in college, and I think about I don't know maybe five rounds into the draft is when I ran out of players' names <laughs> that I recognized. So after that, I was like, uh, I guess we'll just do whatever the computer says is the best guy available because I've got no idea what any of these stats mean other than goals scored, uh, which, oh, yeah. you know, that's kind of important. Um, and then the goalies, I, I had, I think I just went with like, once I ran out of, like, saw run out of names and get to the spot where I was like, I don't know any these players. I was like, we'll just grab a goalie that I know um, and went that route. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Two rounds, two rounds beyond me. Um, I just, <laughs> Looked at last year's numbers and he looks good. I'll take him. <laughs> it, it's amazing how quick you catch on in hockey, though. Okay. Okay. I don't know if I'll ever get back into hockey because I'll be honest, I don't understand the rules of hockey. Um, I, I've been to several hockey games. I the, the rule that really confuses me is icing. It has something to do with crossing um, the puck, crossing, I think, two lines, but it's not touched yeah. or anything. Um, but I swear I see that happen a lot, and it's called icing it sometimes, and sometimes it's not, so I'm not sure. And I've had the rule explained to me, and it made sense when they explained it to me. Obviously, I forgot it because I still don't know it to this day. <laughs> so um, I know it's changed in the last few years, but – I'm I'm not sure what the, what the change specifically was. I just know nobody has to touch it before they call it now. So, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, uh, I think that'll do it for our portion of the hockey talk on this episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So, like we said, everybody, we're going to be giving you our list of our top fifteen shortstops in Major League Baseball. Um. That we 
believe are the best ones that are there. So um, obviously everyone's got their own opinions. There's their own context and how you rate them and how you value them and everything like that. Um, so without further ado, what we're going to do is we'll just give you 15 through 10 because, uh, well, in rankings, no one really cares about the, the bottom five. It's all more or less about the, who's number one. So we're going to keep our number one secret for now until the end of the episode. But real quickly, going through 15 through 10, I've got starting at number 15, Ahmad Rosario from the Cleveland Guardians. Um, 14's Tommy Edmond with the St. Louis Cardinals. 13 is a free agent who signed a big deal, uh, Xander Bogarts currently going to be playing in San Diego. 12 is J.P. Crawford of the Seattle Mariners. 11, Willie Adames of the Milwaukee Brewers. And number 10, O'Neill Cruz of the Pittsburgh Pirates. So uh, really kind of just highlighting these guys, um, some players in there that I like a lot or kind of um, have some thoughts to share on. Uh, Crawford and Bogarts, those two guys, they're kind of um, – the opposites of each other. Crawford is definitely the better defensive shortstop or Bogarts is definitely the better offensive shortstop. Um, Just looking at some defensive metrics, Crawford has a career seven defensive runs saved where Bogarts has a career minus 51. So uh, that's not really good. However, as we know, Bogarts is a much better hitter. Um, It'll be interesting to see how he plays out in San Diego in a much more pitcher friendly park than the friendly confines of uh, Fenway Park. Uh, Crawford, he's obviously a the starting shortstop for the Seattle Mariners, who is, of course, my favorite team. So we definitely have to give him some love in there. Um, his 2021 or 2022 season was a kind of a sad, sad state, especially after the 2021 season where we saw him really hit for 275 and crunch 35 doubles, I believe it was in the year, excuse me, 37 doubles and a 273 batting average. So um, last year he hit 243 and only 24 doubles. He's not a guy that's going to hit for a lot of power or steal a lot of extra bases, but he is a guy that is going to play solid defense. He's got a good enough arm to play there. Um, He's not a sexy name or anything like that, but he is a solid player. Um, But the real guy uh, that I love the most in this list is O'Neal Cruz, the youngster for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, As anybody who's followed the show knows, I live in Indianapolis, Indiana, which is the hometown for the Pittsburgh Pirates Triple A team, the Indianapolis Indians. So I got to see O'Neal Cruz play a lot um, while he was at Triple A. And first off, the guy is huge. Uh, I know he's 6'7", so I know he's big, but um, it's still another thing to see in person. And I really want to see him continue at shortstop. He looks like he's got the speed to be able to hang, to hang out there. He definitely has the arm. I believe he threw the fastest um, throw in the majors this past season, um, clocking in over, I think, over 95 miles an hour. So he's got a cannon for a right arm. The question is whether he can hit major league pitching or not. Um, He definitely had his struggles last year as a rookie. Not at all unexpected. Um, You know, a lot of rookies tend to struggle. But as the season came to a close, he started to pick things up. And I think he may have figured out how to handle major league pitching. So I'm very intrigued at how he will do this upcoming season. So, um, Josh, who do you have on your 15 through 10? Uh, 15 for me, <clears throat> just talked about him, uh, Mr. Cruz. Um, I think the potential is definitely there. Um, the power is there and he's held up to being the centerpiece of a rebuild. Um, 
I, I do come at things from a bit of a, a fantasy perspective, and the, the big concern is the lack of contact. Um, those strikeouts are are pretty rough, uh, more than one in three right now, but he did show that improvement toward the end of the season, and I think next year he'd, he'd move up at least five or six spots. Um, 14, I have Javier Baez. Um, always has had great range, has been solid defensively. Um, he can put a team on his back for, for a couple of weeks at a time, but like Cruz, he's prone to those strikeouts and can disappear for weeks and weeks. Um, also had Willie Adamas in there. Decent strikeout rate, um, 25%, you know, could be better. Solid overall performer. He's he's not a guy you want to build a team around, but he's a, a good peripheral piece. And, you know, at the very least, he's better than half the guys out there. Um, number 12, I have Jeremy Pena. Um, great debut last year, showed power and speed. Um, did it in the midst of a World Series run. Um, very good future for this kid. I also had uh, Rosario in there at number 11. Uh, he doesn't really do anything at an elite level, but he does everything well. A um, little bit of home run, you know, a little bit of power. Definitely can drive in some runs, a little bit of speed. Um, can play a few positions and just a reliable guy to have in your lineup. And at number 10, I have Tim Anderson. Um, in the last few years, he's really learned to control the strikeouts. Um, good speed, good power, great batting average. Um, in the past, he has a history of missing some time. So, that is a a bit of a drawback for him, but he's gotten it more under control until last year, but he's definitely heading in the right direction there. So um, those are 15 through 10 for me. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So uh, moving on up to number nine, I've got Mr. Wando, Wander Franco. Uh, he's definitely the star player for the Tampa Bay Rays. Had a 2.6 war last season as a career 97.8 fielding percentage and a career six defensive runs saved. So obviously this guy can glove it out there on the field. Hits for a career 282 batting average. Unfortunately, he hasn't been able to be relatively healthy. He missed a lot of time last season. Um, he's only appeared in 153 total games over his two-year uh, major league experience. But again, in that time, he's shown a very good eye of controlling the plate. He's got 50 career walks to 70 strikeouts, got 282 average, uh, and has you know shown some signs of having some power in there. He's got 13 career home runs and 10 stolen bases. So there's a lot of intrigue and potential in him. The biggest thing is he just needs to stay healthy. Um, and I'd love to see what he can do over the course of a full season because this kid is special. He, at least he looks very special in the minors. Um, in the time he's played, he definitely looks like a all-star caliber Hall of Famer. So um, just need some health cooperation from him. Josh, who do you have at number nine? I have Dansby Swanson. Oh. Um. 
a lot of strikeouts, but he still manages strong production despite those strikeouts. Um, you don't typically see those 182 strikeouts with the 277 batting average. Last two years combined 52 home runs, 184 RBIs. So he is definitely in the uh, reliable production category. Um, I think though he he does lose a little bit going to Wrigley. Um, more in the aspect of the players around him. Can he be that that big fish in a small pond? Not that the Cubs are a small market or anything, but definitely in a rebuild. And I think he he may see a little bit of a slide going to the Cubs and not having players like uh, Olsen and Riley around him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it'll be definitely interesting to see how Swanson does in his first year in, in Chicago. Um, so, yeah. Who do you have coming in at eight? At eight, I have Carlos Correa, the very brief giant, very brief Met, and finally a twin. Again. Again. Um, <clears throat> like a lot of guys on this list, he does have a bit of an injury history. But when he he gets to that 130-game level, he's always put up solid production. 120-plus um, homers in that 70-plus RBI range. Um, his speed has disappeared in recent years. But uh, batting average-wise, he has stayed in a strong spot. And I think... Uh, Staying in Minnesota is a good spot for him and a good chance for him to show that he is the guy that they expect him to be. Yeah, and I think, obviously, from Minnesota's standpoint, it's another potent bat for them in their lineup, which, um, again, for those of us that were following when we did our AL Power Rankings a few years, a few weeks back, uh, I don't see a lot of... Um, run productivity from the twins in this upcoming season uh just a lot of questions of who's going to be able to score runs for them and and everything like that but at number eight i've got mr tim anderson uh, i know you had him a little bit lower on your list earlier um i've got i like tim anderson i think he's a very enjoyable player to watch he brings a lot of fun and energy to the diamond uh again a career 1.3 war 96 point or i'm sorry last season he had a war of 1.3 a career 96.2 fielding percentage and a minus 16 defensive run save so maybe not the best glove out there but from you know Chicks digging the long ball aspect. He is a lot of fun in, in the batter's box. A career 300 average, um, career 18.2 war, and probably the most entertaining player on the Chicago White Sox. And up until, well, I shouldn't say up until, uh, last year he definitely got hurt with the injuries, only appeared in 79 games. But again, still hit for a very good average like I said, 301 average. He doesn't strike, doesn't walk a lot, but he does strike out a ton, unfortunately, and still a bit um, 
confusing as to how he can swing and miss so often, but yet still hit hit so well. And a lot of that just has to do with the fact that he's putting very hard contact on the ball when he does connect with it, and it's paying off for him. So he's definitely a joy to watch out there for sure. Number seven, I have Bo Bichette of the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, Bichette is a guy that I really like. He's he was you know coming up as being a stud player for the Twins, and obviously his his first year in the majors, um, you know his first full year in the majors, which was twenty twenty one, really, uh, where he appeared in one hundred fifty nine games. He hit for two he had a two ninety. 298 average, hit 29 home runs, stole 25 bases, drove in 102, led the majors with 191 hits. Um, you know, he absolutely validated his claim as being one of the top shortstop prospects. Last season, there was a little bit of a of a, a regression, not not a lot. Again, ironically played in 159 games. Again, still led the majors in hits with 189. Hit five less home runs, didn't steal nearly as many bases as he did the previous year. He only stole 13 last year, but hit for a 290 average. He is a bat first over the glove. Last season, he had 3.6 war. Um, unfortunately for his career, though, like I said, the glove hasn't been quite what a lot of people would necessarily expect from this star player. Career 95.9 fielding percentage and a minus 10 defensive run saves. And as you guys have picked up, that what the players can do from the defensive side does kind of matter to me, in my opinion, because not only is it very hard to hit a baseball, but you also have to play a really good defense if you want to be more than just a, a DH. Just look at Nelson Cruz as an example. Oh, um, especially at shortstop. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, that does kind of, you'll see that does factor in a lot more as we're moving up this list on, on my list, that is. But um, Josh, who do you have at number seven? Um, I apparently like him a bit more than you do. Um, Xander Bogarts I have at number seven. Um, I think the uh, New England roots here have uh, a, a bit of a sway with that. Um, he's definitely been old reliable for Boston. Um, he's he's a leader out on the field. My concern is that he gets lost in San Diego, where he's been a focal point for the Red Sox for so long. He's just another superstar on that team. And I think that that may have an impact on him for the coming seasons. Um, he doesn't have the monster anymore to, to start pinging, you know, to, to keep pinging those balls off. And I think a lot of those doubles are going to be long flyouts this year. And I, I think um, he's going to be due for a drop in average and, and, a little more of a drop in power as well. But I think he's he's still that team leader that will help keep that team even. I think that's more of where his value will be for San Diego. Yeah, I think Bogart signing in San Diego will be a big beneficial boost to them. I think it will. I mean, you now have two players on that roster who have 
won a World Series. So that being able to speak to that and telling guys yeah. what needs to happen, I think will be beneficial. I think what you may see is instead of the home runs, I think you may see a little bit more productivity from the RBI standpoint. Obviously, he's going to be in a much better lineup than he was in Boston. But yeah, like we both said, that moving from the hitters park that is Fenway to the more pitchers park that is Petco is not going to be beneficial to his overall stats no. um, at, at all. So um, moving on, uh, who do you have at number six? I have Bo Bichette at six. Okay. Um, had him to start last year on my fantasy team. I was so frustrated. I couldn't wait to get rid of him. He was driving me nuts through April and into May. Thank you. And yeah, yeah. And he ends up riding the ship. Um, if you look at the final numbers of, uh, 20, 2022 versus 2021, 29 homers versus 24, 102 RBIs versus 93. Um, bit of a drop in steals, but not so bad. I mean, his average only went from 298 down to 290. And when you consider, you know, the first, what, two months were really rough for him. The The finish was strong and the overall numbers were there. Um, just monstrous upside for this kid. He just needs to maintain that consistency and he's... Is going to be toward the top of this list for years to come. Yeah, I agree, and uh, I, my fantasy team also agrees on that. We are <laughs> definitely you're welcome. <laughs> definitely building around Bo Bichette. So, uh, number six, I've got Jeremy Pena, and I'm going to first preface this as I'm not a fan of the Houston Astros. Yes, what they did in that World Series, cheating like that with the trash cans, I'm not over that. Um, it's unfortunate that I hold grudges, but uh, that's kind of what I do, and I, I just really don't like giving a whole lot of love to the Astros. I feel some of their players, it's a little um, too much. Uh, I've seen a lot of uh, people ranking top five rotations, and they constantly leave the Seattle Mariners out of it, but they're always putting the Houston Astros in, which – I, I just it I don't understand why. I mean, yes, they've got some good pitchers in there for sure, but I like the Mariners rotation over the Astros rotation. Again, call me a homer, that's fine. Um, so it's kind of unfortunate that I do have Jeremy Pena so high and that I'm about to shed a lot of love on him. He is my number six shortstop, and the kid's good. I'll just say it. the kid is really good. His first full major league season, he he hit 132 hits, hit 22 home runs, a 253 average, which in today's baseball, it's not terrible. It's actually fairly good. Uh, had a career f or has a 4.8 war, which obviously is for his career. The Maybe the most uh, impressive thing was a 96.3 fielding percentage and 15, 15 defensive runs saved um, for his first year. And just looking up at some of the other shortstops that are on this list, uh, I couldn't find a single other person who had that many um, in a positive. I mean, the closest one is Adames with 12. Uh, Tommy Edmond had 10 as well. Um, or I should say, that's Adames had 12 in his career, and Edmond had 10 in his career. And again, wow. Pena had 15 in his career, which is only one season long. So what he can do in the glove, it makes absolute sense why they were fine with letting Carlos Correa go in free agency. Um this kid, I expect to only get better on the offensive side of the plate. I, if he never 
hits 300 or anything beyond that, what he does with the glove and being able to contribute what he does with the bat will be more than enough. I mean, again, in his first year, he wins a World Series. And not only that, he wins the World Series MVP. He also got the ALCS MVP and a gold glove. That's a heck of a first year in the majors. And, uh, you know, he's only 25. He's going to get better. So, um, And the only reason I had him as low as I did at 12 was – as you said, first year. Yeah. Just want to see that consistency. And he shoots way up my rankings. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he's, uh, I feel a little odd having him so high up there considering we do have such, you know, a small sample size in baseball, like a full year from him compared to some of the other guys in there. But I don't know. I'm just really impressed by that first year. Um, absolutely. Moving on to number five, I've got Corey Seager. Obviously, left the Dodgers to take the bag and go to Texas. Um, Corey Seager is definitely a player that can be a little uh, lightning rod-ish. Uh, some people really like him and see how great he is. Other ones are like, yeah, he's not so great. Um, his career, or has a, he had a four-war last season, a career 97 fielding percentage. Uh, it's minus eight defensive run save, which isn't great. Um, but, I mean, he's also 6'4", um, 215, so a little bit on the bigger side for the shortstop. I know a lot of scouts coming up. Uh, profiled Seager saying he'll probably start it short, but eventually as he gets older, have to slide over to third base just because of that size um, and weight and everything like that will make his range decrease. So it is a bit unfortunate that his glove isn't as good. And I mean, he's was a former rookie of the year, the three-time all-star world series winner, world series MVP, NLCS MVP, two times silver slugger. Um, he's a very good shortstop. He's, he's kind of, you mentioned this earlier. He, he's not necessarily great at everything, but he's really good at, at, um, everything. Um, the biggest concern for, for me is last year, while he hit the most home runs he's ever hit in a season with 33, it came at the cost of his batting average. I mean, he is a very solid batting average. The lowest he'd ever hit prior to last year was in 2018 when he hit 267. Granted, he only appeared in 26 games in there, so very much that average could have arisen had he been able to play more games. But that was also where he had, uh, I believe, a bad leg injury uh, or maybe a hip injury, and then also Tommy John as well in there. So, um, But last year he hit 245. Um my concern with him is, is that what we're going to see from him, you know, being in the AL more often, or is that just a one-year adjustment period to the AL and we'll get back to his career 287 uh, batting average. But um, regardless, what he does at the plate is very, very good. A lot of teams are going to, you know, would want him. Obviously, um, one fun fact on him, and for those who know me, usually when I say fun fact, it's kind of not really a fun fact, but uh, <laughs> the fun fact is, for stars who uh star players their batting average with two outs um or with runners in scoring position tends to go up which is what you want to see in the stars because they're the stars and they're the ones that uh obviously get signed the big money because they are productive in the toughest position toughest situations with Corey seager unfortunately with in those situations with two outs and or with runners in scoring position his ability to put the bat on the ball goes down and that is unfortunate because that is something that Texas is really, you know, the contract they gave him, that's really something they're expecting from Seegers to be their guy they can build around, be the guy in those clutch situations with two outs or with a runner on scoring position. You need to get this guy in. 
their their main guy Corey Seager is going to come through, and unfortunately, that is not his mo. So um, that's another drawback. That I mean, he's still number five, but um, you know, if Jeremy Pena has another season like he did last year, Jeremy Pena is going to easily surpass um, Corey Seager, and who knows, he might vault all the way up to number one. I, I don't know, but um, regardless, Josh, who do you have coming in at five? Five. Um, have him a little higher than you did. I have Wander Franco at five. Um, I, I have to say your analysis, um, I swear you were standing over my shoulder reading my notes. Um, just stay healthy. Great contact rate. 70 strikeouts and 652 career at bats is phenomenal. Um, 282 average, nothing wrong with that at all. The power's going to come. Just needs the at bats. He's only 21 years old. Uh, If you compare him with Bichette, who's 24, um, Pena also 24, this kid is going to be a monster. He has massive, massive upside. Just stay on the field, and we're going to see it within the next two years. Yeah, I'm really hoping so on that as well. I mean, he's... Uh, there's another fantasy league that I'm in, and uh, he is definitely one of the players I've kind of built my team around. I I uh, purposely sucked the year before he was called up to the majors uh, to accumulate a lot of draft picks so I could have enough ammunition to be able to grab him sooner than everybody else did. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm really hoping that he can come through. Uh, and like you said, health is his biggest concern at this point. So, uh, yeah. Josh. Who do you have at number four? Number four. I was surprised I had him this high. Um, when I looked at the numbers, I I felt it was absolutely justified, and that's Bobby Witt. Oh. Um, okay. I, I was looking at him. Um, I expected a considerably higher strikeout rate. I was expecting it to be around 30%. He sits at 23% strikeouts. Still still a little high, but when you consider his track record, to improve where he's been at the major league level is a great start. Um, 20 home runs, drove in 80, 30 steals. Hit 250 his rookie year. He's only going to get better. Um, I would like to see a few more walks in there and, and overall getting on base at around a 34% clip, you know, get that up from that 290. That would be one of the bigger areas he can improve in. Um, But he held up to being the pressure of being that focal point for Kansas City. Um, he's, He's the star for them going forward, at least for the next four and a half years or so, four to five years. And then he'll get the big contract somewhere else and make Kansas City sad. <laughs> yeah, but uh, massive, massive upside for this kid. Yeah, yeah. Royals fans are definitely not going to like that uh, analysis of him, him leaving their their beloved team. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, they should be used to it by now. <laughs> yeah. Um, Unfortunately, um, number four, I've got Carlos Correa. I know you had him lower on the list and he's just, uh, he's 
really good. Again, a former Astro, so I don't want to go too overboard on the praise, but last year with the Twins, had a 5.4 war, hit 291, hit 22 homers, you know, was able to stay healthy. Um, you know, he's he had a very good season. It's the second time, third time, excuse me, in his career, he's played over 130 games in the season. So, um, you know, he's definitely a good player. And he, last year, I mean, he had a phenomenal season at short as well from a defensive standpoint last season. Um, had a 983 fielding percentage. His career is 981, so it was a little bit better than his career. Uh, last season, he's had a three, saved three defensive, yeah, three defensive runs, uh, bringing his total up to 70. The year prior, though, in 2021, he had a 20 defensive runs saved, 20. So obviously a lot better than what um, Jeremy Pena did in there. But I would say that's, you know, that might be a little more fluke-ish um, because he never, the highest, the highest he'd ever done in that category 421 was in 2018 when he had 11. So uh, it was definitely a phenomenal 2021 season. And it could be said that he uh, he uh, picked the right time as it was a contract season for him to have his best year. But uh, Carlos Correa is still one of the best shortstops in the league. It'll be interesting to see how his health holds up as the season goes on. Obviously, we all know that the whole reason he's not a giant or a Met is because of a, uh, I believe it was a broken leg or some leg issue they had back in the minors and they're really worried about how that injury is going to hold up um, over the rest of his career some degeneration issues and concerns with that so um, but for now he's still one of the better shortstops in major league baseball Uh, number three i've got dansby swanson Uh, i'm obviously a lot higher i know you had him a lot lower but i like this kid, uh, he's. I feel like he's a guy, a player that has kind of been slept on in the shortstop market. 5.7 war last year with the Braves, a career 97.8 fielding percentage and a career 17 defensive runs. He's only missed two games, two games over the past three years. And the best ability any professional athlete can have is availability. And he definitely has that. So, uh, I think the Cubs have gotten themselves a good player um, that can hopefully help these youngsters on their roster learn how to play at the major league level. He's a one-time all-star, obviously won that World Series in 2021, has a gold glove to his name. Let's not forget, he more or less came straight out of college into the majors. Um, He entered the majors at 22 years old in 2016. Hit for 302 average, didn't put up a lot of counting stats, but then the following year, um, his average really took a dive and hit, was 232. Again, not a lot in counting stats or anything like that. Um, but, you know, he'd shown some progress at the plate, obviously a lot more walks and strikeouts, but again, that was also because he only played 30 ga- 38 games in his rookie year as opposed to 144 in 2017 second year. So again, you could say that, you know, he's getting acclimated to a full major league season and then... As the years have gone on, that batting average has gotten better. Like I said, 2017 was 232, 2018, 238, 2019, 251, 2020, 274. 2021, unfortunately, took a dip with a 248, but last year he bounced back with a nice 277 average. But now we're also seeing the power coming. The last two years, he's hit for over 20 home runs. Last season, he stole 18 bases as well. So 
he looks like a guy that has figured it out and is starting to put it all together. And I'm excited to see what he can do in Chicago, especially on those windy days with the wind blowing out, what he can do at there. Plus, I think the fact that he will solidify their shortstop uh, position and kind of be a good clubhouse guy, it'll be interesting to see how he does in, in Chicago. But Josh, who do you have at number three? Number three for me. I, I like him a bit more than you did. I have Corey Seager at number three. A um, little bit of an injury history, no doubt there. Um, I think we can say that about most of the guys we've talked about. I, I love, actually, last year what he did. Um, first season, you're looking at second highest at-bat total he's had. Or, uh, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, second highest at bat total uh, with 593. Uh, the 33 home runs with the career high, second highest RBI total. Fair number of walks. Um, the strikeout rate was really impressive, though. 15.5%. And I really think that bodes well for him long-term in the AL. Uh, the guy hits the ball hard. Last year, it just wasn't falling in for him. I think second year in Texas, uh, the ball just flies there. He's going to be more comfortable with the American League next year, and I think you see that batting average go back up closer to his his career average of 287. I think he's going to be right there with the top three, four guys in the league. Um, I think he's going to have more power than a few, most of them. Um, he's not going to match the, the, the speed of those in front of him, but I, I don't see a significant difference. Um, big fan of Corey Seager. Yeah. Cause yeah. you know, he's the guy I ended up with to replace Bichette. So maybe there's a little bias there, but <laughs> I, I really do like him. I really see that that average bouncing back this year. Um, you know, give him an extra 20 hits on top of everything else he did last year. Um, you've got a monster in the making. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely shown he can be an offensive force for sure. All right. So we're getting down to the final two. So Josh, who do you have at second place as your number two shortstop? I, I flip flopped on these two a few times, but number two is Francisco Lindor. Um, he was awful in 2021, um, first year with the Mets. Um, he was just lost out there, but he wants, and you can see it. I've, I've, I watched a lot of Met games early last year. He wants to win in New York so badly. You can see just in the way that he plays, the passion that he has, and the desire he has to to bring the the, the championships back to to the Mets since they haven't had since '86. I think they've got a team that can do it, and I think he's going to be a big part of it. Um, last year, the 26 home runs, 107 RBIs, throwing 16 steals, 270 batting average. Um, one of his better seasons, I think he can increase that power output. Um, 
everything is there for him to to have a great year with the Mets this year. Yeah, I know Mets fans are really hoping for that and really wanting that, especially with uh, Mr. Moneybag Steve Cohn just shelling out money for any any top player that, that's out there. So I'm going to guess that you and I have um, – um, similar guys at number one and two, but obviously ranked differently. I've got ah. Trey Turner coming in at two. I initially had him uh, number one, but flipped him for Mr. Francisco Lindor. Um, and part of it is what Lindor is able to do. Um, he's just spectacular, but I'll save, I'll save the rest of my thoughts on him for a minute. For right now, we're talking Trey Turner. Trey Turner, he's just solid, and he's just consistent. I mean, a career... 302 batting average. He's hit 124 home runs. Last season had a 4.9 war. Uh, he's just, he's a very solid player. 97.2 fielding percentage, nine defensive runs saved in his career. He's not, he hasn't ever, to my knowledge, you know, had had a bad season. I'm like, I'm talking bad season that like everyone look at and say, oh yeah, that was a bad year. I mean, he's had bad years for for by his standards. I, the lowest he's ever batted in a season was 271. Um, if that tells you guys anything, um, he's stolen. He's led the majors in that uh, 2018 season when he hit two 271. He's led the majors with 43 steals. He also led the majors that year with playing every single game, 740 play appearances, 664 at-bats. Um, and again, that was possibly his worst season of his career. I mean, he's he's just very, very good. He's not going to hit a lot of home runs. His career high is 28. He did that in 2021. Um, but he's a... He's a all two-time all-star 2019 world series winner he's won a silver slugger got a batting title to his name he's just i think the phillies made a good move in getting him i don't expect any sort of rough patch or like hey new city bumpiness kind of anything like that i think he's going to be a great addition to the phillies roster and what they can do um they could probably still use some help defensively but um you know, everyone, I think, was saying that last season, look what happened with them. They ended up in the World Series. So the addition of Turner, I think, will only make them better. And, um, yeah, so number one, like I said, Francisco Lindor is my guy. He's, you know, you mentioned it. His 2021, his first season in the Bronx was not a good season. It was obviously a season to be forgotten. And, you know, you could say looking at some of the stats he put up in Cleveland um, that – you know, it's it was maybe a little bit expected. The last season in Cleveland, he hit 258, only hit eight home runs, drove in 27. But again, that was in the COVID. That season. was COVID ball, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if he plays a full typical major league season, do we see his numbers kind of climb and get back up a little bit higher? Uh, you know, probably. I mean, there's nothing at that point that would say he should be having that bad year that he did. Um, but obviously the first season in the Bronx, he hit 230, still hit 20 home runs, stole 10 bases, but obviously nobody would say, you know, it was a good first impression or anything like that. So 2022, he had a nice bounce back, hit 26 yeah. home runs, drove in 107, hit 270, stole 16 bases, played in 161 games. Um, yeah. And yeah. he's just, he's, he's got, you know, a very, you talked about it, a passion and a joy to play the game and obviously wants to make, you know, positive things happen for the Mets. Um, and, you know, I think ultimately he'd like to turn New York from a Yankees 
state into a Mets state. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I think the Mets have a better shot at winning the World Series in the next decade than possibly the Yankees do. Um, I agree. Cone's going to spend the money. They've got star players in there. Um, and the best thing about Lindor was even in that bad intro season in the Mets, he still, for the most part, was able to continue to be who he was. He didn't really change or anything or different, didn't fold under the pressure of being in the spotlight. And it can, and he, you know, I would say was rewarded this past season with having a great year, great bounce back and everything. So, um, yeah, I like him. Yeah, he's, he's just, he's special. I, I kind of want to throw out that one, um, bad season last year as a, as a fluke. And um, there were some injuries there for him last year. Um, yep. 125 games. Um, I I think he initially felt that he had to justify that contract and he he did feel the pressure of New York but mm-hmm. he wanted it so badly that he just pushed through and just kept playing hard and endeared himself to the fans yes. to the point where you get past those boo birds you win them over and then 2022 comes along and you're right back where you're supposed to be. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and that's great to see from, him. like I said, you, we've seen a lot with players going to the big apple and folding under that pressure and under that, you know, constant criteria of, you know, this is New York. This is how we do things. Like you are the best and you need to be the best night in and night out and not everybody can handle it. So the fact that he struggled through that, but was able to come out on the other side and positive manner, that's you know, I, that's another thing I like about him. So, um, Josh, I think I know who you got at number one, but give it to us. Who you got? Kike Hernandez. No, not really. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think I let the, the fantasy perspective sway me a little bit here, um, with Trey Turner. Um, I think with him, it's just the the consistency, um, the high level of production, even when he's injured, he he plays better than probably two thirds of the league. Um, one of the best leadoff men in the game, absolutely, just knows how to get on base and come around and score. Um, he really does a great job keeping the, the strikeout rate under control. Um, you, you look, you see 131 strikeouts, but that's in 650 at bats. So that's not nearly as bad as it seems. Um, he's willing to move around a bit as needed. Um, the Dodgers had a lot of versatility. So he spent some time at second base. He spent some time in the outfield. Um, Just one of those guys who is great for a team. Um, You know, like you said, lowest batting average for him in, aside from his rookie season uh, was the, the 271. And from there goes 284, 298 and a whole lot of three hundreds in there. Um, (laughs) Yeah. The guy just plain hits. He hits, he gets on base, he creates havoc. And I think the Phillies lineup is going to be great for him. Um, I think that's going to be a good town for him. They're going to love his style of play. 
Um, the Dodgers are great, but I think California is kind of laid back. Um, I, I think Philly is going to appreciate what he brings to the table. And that just sounds odd saying Philly's appreciating anything. But they don't appreciate Santa. No kidding. <laughs> I mean, geez, they're going to throw beer bottles at him. What are they going to do to poor Trey Turner? No, he's, he's going to be good. He's going to be good. They are going to love him. He's not going to give anybody cold there. Yeah, no. And, and looking at his stats, it is interesting too. Like, like you said, hit three twenty-eight and twenty twenty-one, um, which won him the batting title. Obviously, it is interesting. In twenty twenty, he hit three thirty-five, and that didn't win him. Uh, granted, that was the COVID year, so obviously, he's a lot easier to put up very big numbers yeah. uh, in batting average. That is that season, but still, like. 335 who who hit better than him that season um to you know take yeah. that away from him um but even looking in 2021 you see what he did with washington switching in the parks and the you know going from the nl east to the nl west he hit 322 with the nationals then he hit 338 with the dodgers his um everything across the board was still pretty much the same obviously the at bats and the games played was you know vastly different but i mean he had 18 home runs with Washington versus 10 with the Dodgers. Stole 21 yeah. bases. Proportionally, everything yeah. just lined up. He just, same pace all the way through. Yeah. Did not skip a beat going to New York, or New York, L.A. <laughs> yeah, and I and I agree with you. I think that's what's going to carry over in Philly as well. And um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being consistent like that. And like yeah. I said, I originally had him at one, but kind of just looking at Lindor and what he's done, like those, you know, he, he is – better than than Turner in, in my opinion and but with that being said there's a lot more consistency with Turner and you know for I think at this point it's a matter of do you want to roll with a guy who's maybe got a little bit higher ceiling but also a little bit lower floor or do you want to roll with something that you can basically kind of just like hey this is what he's going to do every day every at bat every game I know what's coming I can just kind of build a team around that. Cause I know what I'm getting from this one player versus someone who's got a little more volatility to them. So yeah, I mean, uh, Turner really excels in those numbers. You can, you know, the, those things you can see, mm-hmm. I think Lindor really excels in the things you don't necessarily see in a box score. I, I think Lindor far exceeds Turner in that aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it really could have gone either way for me as well. Um, yeah. Like I said, it's, I, I think it was the fantasy perspective that, that swayed that for me. Um, you know, from, from a fantasy aspect, I would definitely pick Turner first um, over Lindor. Real baseball. Uh, I I don't think you can go wrong either way. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So, well, that about does it for this week's episode of the Replacement Level Podcast. I want to thank Josh Mason again for joining us this week. Uh, Rafal, thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, you know, and we'll definitely be in touch about once the season gets underway or as we get a little bit closer, seeing if you want to come back and join us again. Uh, maybe you'll be able to meet Rafal, but uh, hopefully Rafal okay. is able to come back next time that we do this show and uh, for everybody else that's out there thank you again for listening we really appreciate it and have a great night everybody